It's a new episode, with a new apology to add to my sound quality bingo card. While I'm spending my Christmas alone in the van, as is my preference, my guests are having a more sensible Christmas at home with their families, and there is some background noise that comes from that. Stick with it though. If you like, you can pretend they're your family. Anyway, on with the show. So when you start recording when you want our response to that statement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now incriminate it. yourselves. <laughs> yes. So, oh, so, so this Turkish, is the part that's recorded now. <laughs> yeah. Turkish people are horny. Discuss. <laughs> I have no personal experience of that. Just uh, just read a statistic. That was all. <laughs> no. I was, I was just saying to Adam before you jumped on the call, um, I was talking to some Americans in Albania, and they were saying that um, they found Turkey a little bit uncomfortable because people are quite horny. And my first experience when I arrived at the border was that this border guard said to me, you know, British tourists, they often carry drugs in their underwear. I might have to check you out. Wink. Okay. It was... It's the important a... thing is it stopped there. It wasn't wink and then touch. It was Yeah, that was that was just a a friendly exhortation. <laughs> I think he was just looking to see whether you what your reaction yeah, was, yeah, whether you yeah. were whether you, you were, were like, open oh. to be researched. <laughs> yeah. Well I, I yeah. gave him a flash I gave him a flash of the boxes because you know it just seemed rude not to. But... Yeah, yeah. And then and then after you showed him your boxes. He didn't advance the what boxes were you wearing <laughs> to turn this I, man away. I've I've been in this van for a few years now. It's um quite a tatty pair of boxes, and I mm. tend not to shop if people aren't there to see. If only there was a way to buy clothes in other countries. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just imagining like a waistband that's just more there, <laughs> oh, of, like, God. some oh. kind of like need to wear something <laughs> oh come on you're the, one. Purpose anymore. you're the one to talk about that <laughs> what? yeah that's true y yeah. you've been known to wear clothes that were literally falling to pieces <laughs> really is that how i'm known amongst you it's happened i yeah i remember yeah Fair of enough. course anyway welcome to all points in between the travel podcast that he's giving up all pretense of being a travel podcast and is now a history show that also talks about our various sartorial choices. Uh, I've decided to give up on the travel thing because it's, well, I was trying a few different concepts as we went through um, the last few months and so tried a few travel guides and tried to have some guests on, things like that. But um, the ones that get the best response are the history episodes, and they happen to be the ones that I most enjoy doing. So we have with us Matt, as usual, oh. for history. And <laughs> joining us also is possibly an expert. No, no, 
because yeah, ex- don't even try <laughs> expert <laughs> on what <laughs> no, I mean, no exactly I'm, if you're I'm, edging towards expert on history <laughs> you're gonna be wildly disappointed but no exactly the point is i'm in charge on this show and i don't want people telling me what i'm getting wrong so we've got adam as well whose qualification is that he's one of my oldest friends seems good enough to me <laughs> It it works. It certainly works. Um, it's more than I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you do have the qualification of playing a lot of Crusader Kings, which will probably fit in quite well with this episode. Well, actually, it's okay. Europa and Universalis is going to be most useful uh, for Scanderbug, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Is he a little bit... Oh, damn it. My references are going to be all wrong because I've not played Europa Universalis. It's it's very similar. <laughs> I mean, I've not played it either, so his references are going to fall flat on both of us. So he's just going and to most of our audience as well. Let's let's not even go there. <laughs> All right, uh, I I don't know. Our our audience is mostly spam bots. I imagine a lot of those do play quite a few paradox games. Yeah. yeah. But do you know who loves history episodes almost as much as I do? Such an open question. <laughs> It, it's out it's albanians they are oh. now uh, yeah um before my um soundcloud statistics all broke earlier they mm. were our biggest listener base outside of the uk and the usa and given that That's my cool. yeah yeah given that the uk listener base is mostly you guys and my family and i'm pretty sure the american listener base is spam bots I am going to say that Albania is winning the world championship of all points in between fandom. Yeah, it's suspicious that the largest audience of an English language based podcast are. (laughs) It would be unless you knew what subjects he's been doing for the last few episodes. So it's been pretty heavy on the app, which is cool. I mean, you know, obviously the audience responds to what you provide. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing a fair bit of Albania and. On this episode, I want to talk about a guy who, when I've been doing the previous history episodes, he's got a bit of a short shrift on on those. So we've talked about people like Desiato and um, King Zog, but this guy is one of the other major figures. So it's based. So I, I should say the the show is still somewhat based on. Um, travel in that i'll be talking about places that i've been and the interesting stories i find but that's that's about the limit of the travel stuff but the episode is based on a stay that i had in this town called Cruz, which is in the middle of albania and i was there well a few weeks ago and i started writing this probably about six weeks ago now but it's uh, it's this place, it's perched on the side of a mountain, it's got a picturesque old bazaar, and um, it's, it's a really good place for a hike. There's a nice trail that goes up to this shrine of this um, Sufi saint who the episode isn't based on, but it's a good place to go. But our subject is the man who lived in that castle in Cruz. It's a man who also has a chain of Albanian petrol stations named after him. And it's a man called Georgi Castriotti, or more commonly known as Skanderbeg. Okay. So this is, yeah, perhaps we'll be getting to the Europa Universalis (laughs) bit. 
But what what era does that what what era does that game cover? By the way, it starts just at the end of Crusader Kings. Um, so just just before the fall of Constantinople. Um, in fact, yes, yeah, about fifty years before the fall of Constantinople. So a lot of players like to play as Byzantine, the Byzantines and try and survive. And if you want to survive, one of the best ways to do so is by allying with Skanderbeg because oh. he is one of the best generals in the game. So he will he will boost your armies up. So yeah, lots of people will write these like in-depth guides of how you can make friends with him and form a little alliance and survive. So yeah. All right. Oh, well, um, yeah, you never know. Maybe my story will give, give a bit of an insight on that as well as to how to make friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> what is this game again? Sorry. It's European Universalis. Okay. So it, it's, one of, it. it's one of, um, do you know the Paradox games? They're all like no. the grand strategy games I hate because they're too historically <laughs> accurate. So, yeah, no, I don't know it. I've never seen it. I mean, maybe I have seen it, but I'm looking at it and it's uh, it's not it's not ringing any bells. Um, Welcome to All a, Points in Between, the podcast game. about all things gaming. Also, also all things gaming. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, when, when I do have you on, Matt, we do tend to talk about Crusader Kings and Medieval Total War a lot, but also yeah. because it's part of the era of history that I quite like. <laughs> the main way to learn history. It's it's a great way to learn history. You don't even realise you're learning. So, well, on to the story. So, Skanderbeg is generally agreed to have been born in 1405, although, obviously, that's not clear exactly. They weren't great on paperwork back then. His father is a guy called John Castriotti, and he owned some territories in central Albania, which do include the district of Matt, which, again, I bring up because it's the second time that Matt's eponymous region has appeared in these episodes, because um, King Zog was also from there. It's a good region. It's a good region. It's Oh, it's a great region. I drove through it. It's lovely. And it, well, it doesn't really have any link to me other than that it's named after you. <laughs> yeah, so he was born in quite a Europa Universalis hard mode bit of the world. Um, at, at the beginning of the 15th century, the Ottoman Empire, it's it's in the process of going to town on what remains of the Byzantine Empire, which had ruled that region in, well, in some form or other, so them or the Romans, since about 2000 BC. So they've been there for 1600 years or so. It, it... It's just a little question. It's not 2000 BC. It's I think it's 200 BC. 200 <clears throat> BC. There you go. I'm, yeah. read, I'm reading my zeros wrong for my script. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, 2000. That'd be, oh, God knows, the Illyrians or something like that. But over yeah, over those kind of 50 years or so before Skandbeg was born, um, there'd been this gradual change and the advance of the Ottomans across the Balkans. They'd not quite taken where I'm parked up at the moment in Istanbul at the time, but they were kind of snaking the way around. And John, um, so Skanderbeg's dad, and his holdings, they found themselves wedged between Venetian, Serbian, Ottomans, and he, at various times, ended up being vassals of all three of those states, because, like, like you say, Matt, he is 
sort of somebody that you ally to, but isn't necessarily a power of his own. And these um, these machinations and changes they're going on throughout um, Georgie's young life. And when he was born, his dad's a Venetian vassal. After the previous rulers, the Ottomans had been forced out of the area. During this period, John became a citizen of Venice, only to then have his region overrun, and he became an Ottoman vassal again in 1415. And that's kind of the year where you start hearing about Skanderbeg and his story, really. The main primary source on his life, it's this biography that was written in 1510 by a historian called Marinus Belletius. I have a link to the free version that I found because, as regular listeners know, the definitive version is the free version. And I'll, I'll put something in the episode description. But unlike other occasions, um, I don't know whether I'd recommend reading it because it gets translated into English in the late 1500s. And it's all written in this really flowery Shakespearean. So I'm going to give you the opening passage and you'll perhaps see why I didn't read it. Cue, cue some lyre music that I'll put on a bit later. <laughs> Amurath, the second of that name, king of the Turks, restoreth the glory and estate of the Turkish Empire, being greatly decaled by the overthrow and capitulary of his grandfather, Bezaeth, by the armies of Tamburlaine, John Castrios, reigneth in Edpre, his lineage, virtues, and goodly issue, the birth of George, his youngest son, and strange signs prognosticating... We, we lost you, Martin, sorry. <laughs> yep, there... <laughs> Oh, bollocks to that. Where where, where did you lose me? <laughs> at, the, at the first Beverly or the second? Man, we don't know Sorry. where you were. Either <laughs> <laughs> the fourth vow uh, or... Yeah. The we second half. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, ca- we'll, we'll carry on to the important bits. <laughs> yeah. Amorath warreth upon John Castriot, who, being wary of wars, sueth for peace and delivereth his sons in hostage. Amorath causeth them to be circumcised, changeth their names, and George is known as Skanderbeg. There we go. I'm not reading that again. And I By didn't the way, read... circumcised hasn't changed. It's just nice and clear, as it was always. It's the same word. It's a pretty Nothing different word, there. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's one of the few bits that I understood is, um, yeah, the guy gets the end of his knob chopped off and starts being called Skanderbeg. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't read it because I didn't want to read hundreds of pages of that. And also, like, that voice you were doing must have got exhausting doing that. It would do after a little while because when I... I, I, I don't know if this is the same for everybody, but when, when I read, I sort of say the words in my head. And when I've talked to other people, they um, so not everybody, but a few of people have been like, "What you actually say the words in your head?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course is, I do." And it... I, I do the voices. How the hell do you read if you don't say the words in your head? I I don't know. Just there was a friend of mine who was just like, "No, I I don't do that." 
But then she was able to read like a 500-page book in a day, probably because she doesn't do the voices. Or at least persuaded sure? that she could. <laughs> yes, we sure, sure she was reading a book. <laughs> Read another one. <laughs> yeah, just kind of flicked through the pages and then went to the Wikipedia and pretended. How the hell did she read that, though? I know, probably did voices for that because it only takes five minutes to read the Wikipedia. There, there is a story about, I think it was Augustine, where everyone was amazed because he was able to read without moving his lips. So before that point, everyone used to move their lips when they read. So maybe this woman you met is the next stage in the in the evolution. She just didn't know who August, Augustine was. She's That's... never come across that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because before that, everybody had to read out loud, didn't they? Like when you were at primary school. But yeah, Supposedly. we only we only learned not to do that in like the 1300s. Well, actually, not, <laughs> not that long before Scantabeg was born. Indeed. But I'm not I didn't use that as a big source because apart from anything else, it's not supposed to be that accurate. It was a bit of a puff piece about um, how he was standing up to the lustful Turk, and it <laughs> it gets it gets some pretty obvious bits wrong, like that. Apparently, the beg bit at the end of Stand the Beg's name it's it's honorific, so it's a bit like if you have you know Sir in English, so he wouldn't have been called that just after having the end of his knob cut off. It's it's not something that I've I read loads of. But it does get us to the point where we need to be, which is kind of what I've called his Marvel origin story. So Scanderbeg one, Rise of the Scanderbeg. Essentially he's well he's taken into sort of captivity. Um it I think it happened quite a lot in the Middle Ages. You'd give your kids to some kind of ruler to ensure your loyalty. And he gets conscripted into what's called the Debsime system, which is where captive Christian kids from noble families, they're given military training to go and serve in the Ottoman Empire. So graduates of it, they usually ended up getting jobs either in the Ottoman civil service, or they became part of the Janissaries, which I think you might be familiar with. Yeah, the, the Janissaries were a, a soldier class pretty much entirely made up of Christian children who'd been then sort of, like you say, sent to to the Turks to sort of be raised. And then they have been they were raised as Muslims. And then they were a very effective military force for a long, long part of the history of the empire. So. Yeah, yeah, they were they were essentially this elite fighting unit. You know, imagine say something like the commandos. Really, they were the nutters that you sent into an area. Really, when you didn't want people to be alive there anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about an era where there weren't any professional soldiers, so it's kind of like everyone is an amateur, and then you've got these guys who've been doing it since they were children. <laughs> yeah, just like random farmhand with pitchfork versus. <laughs> Yeah, guy who's been training for it since he was about 12. Skanderbeg, um, he he did turn out to be pretty good at fighting. He was put in charge of his own body of troops when he graduated, which was around 1428. He commanded armies for the Ottomans and helped them to carry on pushing the Venetians out of the Balkans. So by this point, his father, John, had sided with the Venetians again which probably 
I don't know, made for a bit of an awkward conversation at Christmas dinner. Um, well, Scanderbeg probably wouldn't celebrate Christmas by this point, but he he was essentially fighting his father's side at this point. A couple of years after that, so in 1430, John, he loses all of his lands and he's forced into exile and heads, I've not actually put it into my notes, but I think he heads off to Venice, if I remember rightly. The lands that he was running, they, they get divided up. And while they're doing this, Skanderbeg says to the new rulers of the region, um, hey, you know, that, that land, that's the place that my dad used to run. Do you reckon I can have a bit of that? So, yeah, imagine that you're a local administrator doing your paperwork. There's a knock on the door and this kidnapped Janissary super soldier who's just helped you conquer this region is asking for a bit of his ancestral lands. Um, yeah, what do you reckon happened at that point? I reckon they gave him a bit of land. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the response... The response can basically be summarised as, lol, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's not... Yeah, that must have been a disappointment. A <laughs> little bit. Mm. And one of the other sources that I'll put in the episode, um, it's an article from History Today, and it suggests that this is the catalyst for a lot of the rebellion that we're going to discuss in a little bit. So they say... Um, yeah, with no father or any lands to protect, whatever loyalty Skanderbeg might have had to the Ottoman Empire melted away, which is probably a bit reductive, I think. Um, after after all of this happens, Skanderbeg does stay loyal to the Empire for another 13 years or so. But I, I don't mind history today saying that, because it does mean that we've got a good ending to the first act. And that's the important bit of pop history, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to be nice, nice, clean segments. You, you do, yeah. I've, I've tried, I've tried to put all of this together into a three-act structure because I'm told that that's what you need to do with narratives. Anyway, at this point, Skanderbeg he disappears from the records for a little while, and. While he wasn't given any of his father's old land at the time, he got a pretty prominent role in the administration of the area. And in 1437, he becomes the governor of the lovely town of Cruz that I was mentioning earlier. So this nice town that's perched on the edge of a mountain. And it was a pretty major hub for the region. So it's not as though he was completely snubbed by by the ruling empire. Like I say, we, we don't know a lot about his life from when he was deposing his father through to 1443, which is where we do begin the second act of his story, Skanderbeg II, too Albanian, too furious. I quite like these titles I'm doing. Not getting a great response. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was, I was hoping for an electric boogaloo, but there you go. The, I like the classics. I'm just wondering yeah. if there's copyright infringement. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I know. It. Oh well, start the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, start from the beginning. I can't. I can't just edit out very small sections. 
I've I've got to I've got to get you back. Um, yeah, we're just gonna have to start from scratch. I'm just trying to think how long we've been going there actually. Um, so I usually split these up, and I'm just thinking. Well, it's been about half only... an hour. Yeah, I'm just thinking because we've only got eight minutes left before Zoom throws me out. What I might do is finish it here and then come back and do the next bit. So, yeah, if um, if you want to listen to more of this, you can find all points in between. Pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. If you want to, you can even give us a five-star review, which means that it will then be a very exclusive club of you, my brother, and myself who've given us five-star reviews. <laughs> it's not even been us. It's not even us that's given Hey, we're, we're, Sorry, premium. We're, we're premium. Whoever else gives me a five-star review gets to come into the van and share some champagne with me in the private members' lounge. I don't know what's less believable, the idea that you have a special lounge or the idea that you bought champagne. <laughs> I know which one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a toilet cubicle, which isn't part of the main body of the vehicle. So I don't know, could that count as a lounge? I mean, it's it's basically got a commode in it. I mean, how much more luxurious do you want to be? Like I feel like a bathroom is just a minimum requirement for a home. Yeah. At least in the modern world. Like... You, you say that, but I have a I have a bathroom and a litter tray now because I have picked up a stray cat. And I feel that I want to ask you, are you using this litter tray? Yeah, does the cat use the toilet and you use the litter tray? Because the, that... the both suggested that you, you had, you'd use the litter tray now and the bathroom has an entirely different purpose. Yeah, so no. what do you call your cat, Martin? He's called Hadouken. Well, she. Oh, where is she? There she is. Hang on. You there have a you cat? are. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Yeah, she's a little stray who hangs out with me at the moment. So really? cute. I, but how long have you been in this spot for? About a week. Oh, okay. But it's a campsite cat. So she basically just. Um, <laughs> you I, just stole she, a camp from your campsite. Uh, you're the campsite you're in, right? <laughs> Not the last one. Yeah. No, no, it is this one. No, I think she just goes from van to van. So, like last week, I had some Germans parked up next door to me, and she was just alternating between me and the Germans. And you bought a litter box so this stray cat could shit in your caravan. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's something why? you encouraged. But why? <laughs> Well, because... You'll happily do it outside. Well, because it shat on the floor when I didn't have a box. I'd rather it shits in the box than on the floor. Okay, I guess that makes a little bit more sense. It just seemed like you were just creating yourself a job. Yeah, well, like, no, it, it's been it's been sleeping in my van because it's quite cold at the moment, and right. yeah, just one of the nights when it was sleeping in the van, it went over to the corner, basically under the steering wheel and the driving pedals, and it was kind of rooting around there for a little bit, and then it started doing this scratching digging thing. That's not a good and, sign. Yeah, and I think it it was trying to dig the carpet, yeah. and it's just like yeah, got to bury this. Yeah, got to bury this before Martin gets yeah. angry. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and so I decided it's probably just good to get it a box if it's going to be sleeping here. But it's mm. not a proper litter box. It's basically just a plastic box that I bought from the shop. Um, but it does the job. Does it have cat litter in it? Yes, of course it has cat litter in it. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure. <laughs> it did sound like you, you just bought like a Tupperware box. <laughs> like a Tupperware pot. And assumed what? the cat was going to shit in it, and that was the problem solved. What? <laughs> What's the cat and in my head, for some reason, I'm imagining two Tupperware boxes, one with the cat's name on it and one with your name on it. Podcast over. <laughs>